is everybody? I only see my buddy Will. I, yeah, I don't know, man. Where is everybody? <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a scheduling snafu on Kevin Joseph's fault. Uh, this week we are not gonna have any guests because uh, I miscommunicated uh, with some people. Uh, not their fault, not my fault. Well, probably a little bit my fault, but um, we're going to go. I live in Florida. It's a no fault state. So uh, we're going to call it a no fault. Um, the scientists behind uh, uh, Phoebe and Jack's Make a Planet can't make it tonight. We're going to talk about that a little bit um, because it's a cool campaign and I really want to get people's ears on it but uh we we can't have the actual smart scientists on with us so we're going to do our best in a little bit but um since it's just you and i will how the heck are you doing all right man um technically uh i've been unemployed for the last two days i start my new job monday so yeah yeah gd slacker i know that's how it's like Slacker, get a job. I'm like, it's Monday, right? It's been weird because I mean, I spent so long, you know, working at the university, and now yeah. I'm not. And uh, so, yeah, I'm a little, a little nervous. I don't, you know, don't know what I'm going to be doing. But uh, I mean, I have a general idea, but <laughs> I'm sure I'll be wrong about that. So we'll see. But it's, uh, it's been a weird week. Good week. Bet, a weird week. I bet. How did it feel? So you've been not unemployed for two days. So Wednesday you walked out, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. How did I, that feel? Was it like Jerry Maguire? Did you did you make a big speech and basically no. dumbfound everybody except for <laughs> one secretary who, who went with you? No. Uh they asked me if I wanted a party. I'm like, no, let's, you know, I'll just slide out of here. The the guy, but several of the guys said, you know, come to lunch. So we went out to an Indian restaurant and you know, and had a like an hour and a half lunch, and they they got me a little Funko Pop of the Golden Age Green Lantern, which was cool because I didn't have that. Um, That's awesome. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Turned in my keys and came home, and that was it. <laughs> cried, wow. cried, cried for fifteen minutes. Well, well, in the fetal position. You yeah, it, right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't put you too much. We got. We got, John is here. John. Oh, hey, John. <laughs> great to see you, buddy. Um, yeah, so like like I said, we were going to have a, uh, a, a non-comic book uh, podcast because we wanted to talk to the people behind Jackson Phoebe Make uh, uh, Planet, um, but uh, we're going to go through that a little bit, but since we're going to be able, which is you and I, we could do whatever we want, let's talk about some of the campaigns from friends of ours that have launched that we haven't had a chance to have them on, hopefully we will get them with us over the next couple weeks. But in case we don't, uh, let's talk about uh, Phil Falco and Haunting Volume 1. It's a collection of, I do believe, the first four issues of Haunting. Um, Haunting is a story about a real shithead protagonist, which is my favorite thing about it. Uh, we, oh, spoiler alert, we may talk about Sandman tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was loving watching uh, what a shithead Morpheus is at the beginning. Uh, really happy about that. And uh, Phil Falco is not afraid to have an unlikable protagonist. His character uh, can bring, does bring ghosts back to life. He actually doesn't control it. And whenever they come back to life, they cause havoc. And he just doesn't care. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and it's got some 
got some beautiful covers. I know there's a stained glass uh, theme that he's had going on for a couple of, maybe all four issues at this point. Mm -hmm. That uh, Those covers look really nice too. So yeah. It's, yeah. Phil couldn't be a better guy. I believe he is in Boston. Uh, Rob Multari, Kat, and Phil are in Boston for Boston Fan Expo, I believe. Expo, yeah. And uh, so if you're up in the Northeast, go go tell them hi. And, uh, and tell Phil, know. Excel, Excel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Garth says, since there are no guests, what are your Sandman opinions? We are we are going to get to that, Garth. Yeah. We, we actually literally, for the first time, I think, we did a rundown. We kind of planned out the show because it's just us. So we, mm -hmm. we are going to uh, get through these uh, these po uh, projects that haven't been on the show yet. Mm -hmm. We are going to talk about Jackson Phoebe Make a Planet in our own dumb non-scientist way. <laughs> and uh, then we're going to talk salmon, 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 salmon. And then we might talk about some projects that are still running. I don't know skinned uh from the witch creek road creator we might get to that at the end so oh hey um could we talk about sandman too maybe let's talk about sandman too awesome and um next up is we already talked about our cat calamia the dancer um it has been quite a while since i read the dancer one and two but i would say it's as if black widow and batman kind of Black Widow as the character, Batman as the origin story, um, found out that they were the problem instead of the solution. So a young girl whose parents are murdered uh, basically becomes an assassin, dancer by day, assassin by night, or vice versa, I don't remember. And uh, she uh, goes on a kill and actually realizes that she has done to another child what was done to her. And uh, I think starting with issue three and we might learn about the repercussions and it's i mean it's uh i love the metaphor because you know she's had this trauma and she's literally going through the motions but she's a dancer and that's what dancers mm -hmm. do is go through the motions right yeah. so i mean yeah it's it's great and i this is the color version right or is this the black and white I, we're gonna have to have cat on and find out i'm not sure uh i i honestly when 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 they launched i backed yeah, I, I, I didn't read it. It's just like, <laughs> just it's Cat, it's, it's Phil. Everything yeah. they do is great. I'm on it. So I don't even know. We're going to find out, though. <laughs> um, and Mick Byers, who we be I believe will be on next week for Royo Cheeks, which is a Western. He's been doing his uh, his Martian, uh, John. Queen of, um, Queen of Therns or Queen of Mars. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he, but this is a Western and really go check out the page because I love the color palette. He's kind of working in a very, very unique way, even to his own, um, his own style, which if you backed the Glarian campaign, and I can't imagine you didn't based on the, the backer count, <laughs> you're going to get to see Mick Meyer's style, style within the White Ash universe, but this is a very different style and I can't wait to talk to Mick about it. Yep, absolutely. And, and plus, you know, he was in uh, the White Ash, Del White Ash Deluxe that came out not too long ago. He did that's a what it was. Okay. 1950 story, I think, in there or something. Nice. Um, and uh, the Last Ember Press has a Christmas story. It's kind of the Nutcracker and uh, was it the Mouse Guard? Something? I think so, yeah. All right. It's been two weeks since I looked at that campaign. So. <laughs> Brant, Lisa, if you can come on, come tell us about your um, your uh, Nutcracker uh, project. The um, 
steampunk carol. Yep. And that is the campaigns that have been have not been on, and we do want to get them on. Shawnee, how are you? Hey, Shawnee. We have great news for your pocketbook. We have no new comic books this week. We do have a podcast we're going to talk about, um, but uh, we're all we're all going to just chill it out. And we we got one week not off because you can find campaigns of your own, but we're not gonna we're not gonna kill anybody's pocketbook. So this is the one week Blake isn't on. So <laughs> we'll make sure we'll make sure and send him the podcast so he can listen yeah. without without uh, grief. <laughs> all right, so um, I am going to put up the. Um, the banner for Jackson Phoebe. Yep. Don't think we really need to go on the page, but um, Jackson Phoebe Make a Planet is a Kickstarter campaign to raise money to do a limited edition podcast. It's by uh, a climate change scientist, and I do, I believe, a fossil scientist. Like when she talks about dinosaurs and dinosaurs and stuff, cool stuff like that. Um, two scientists who want to get together and bake a pie. And on their project page, Carl Sagan's quote is, if you want to bake a pie, all you have to do is create the universe first. Easy, Which is, right? yeah, it's a mind-blowing <laughs> statement, but it's so true. And the podcast is going to be um, Jackson Phoebe talking about all of the universal cataclysmic um, uh, serendipitous um, nah, you know, like just events. Not, events that had to happen to start from the Big Bang to when they meet up to bake a pie. And I can't wait to hear this. I'm I'm just immediately interested and I'm immediately ready for it. So um, if you're into science and you're into podcasts, please check out Make a Planet Pod, Jackson Phoebe Make a Planet on Kickstarter. So to set this up, we were going to have really, really smart people tell us about it, and they couldn't make it. So we're going to have Will and I's dumbasses kind of do the same thing, but with our own stories of what happened in Will's life and what happened in Kevin's life to come up to this point where we are talking to each other on um, StreamYard to do this podcast. So, Will, what is the earliest <laughs> memory of sci-fi fantasy that that might show a show, a movie, a fairy tale that you can remember that just made you realize that this was something you would be interested in? Probably my, one of my earliest memories is a tremendous crush on um, Aaron Gray from Buck oh, 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 I will, <laughs> mm, I, I will drink to one of my two first crushes, Aaron Gray or Crystal Gale. I don't know which one happened first. But um, yes, Aaron Gray was uh, taught me that um, there was something about girls that wasn't bad. Uh huh. I mean, and I, I I have this weird, freaky memory of getting like a Green Lantern comic. Okay, I must have been six, five or six uh, when I got it, and I still remember the cover. How Jordan is falling out of a plane and green arrow is getting ready to shoot his ring to, you know, he's lost his ring. So he's going to oh, die. Okay. Blah, blah, right. blah. I think I still have it. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I hope I do. Uh, I need to go check, but I've always been a reader and that's 
actually my wife this after, this afternoon was like i was what we were watching something on tv and she was talking to me and i tend to focus on things when i focus mm -hmm. on them and the next thing i knew is she's like hyper focus uh often a symptom of hd <laughs> what sorry come come okay i'm paying attention I'm listening now, <laughs> I'm listening now. but that's uh, awesome it uh yeah we're, we're uh we're definitely smart asses. Um, anyway, <laughs> comics, and then you know, it wasn't long after you know, Star Wars. Soon yeah. after that, which is Star Wars didn't impact me as much as Empire. Hmm. Empire is really, I mean, I feel like it's probably one of the best movies ever made, uh, just because it works on so many levels. It's so it has you know the surprise. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> and, and everything that's going on, you know, the cinematography, the way mm -hmm. this, you know, color is used. I mean, it's just such an amazing movie. And so, you know, I'm, you know, lifelong Star Wars fan. And then, you know, that gets, you know, into more, you know, comics were just always present, you know, mm -hmm. after, after that, just because, you know, Chris Claremont's X-Men. Oh, God. I mean, God, read the hell out of that all right you're, <laughs> all right but you're getting ahead of me we're, we're yeah. not we're not up to comics yet we'll get yeah. there uh shawnee says i also had a crush on aaron gray from buck rogers and i'm a girl so there's that i i she was lovable gorgeous uh tough sexy i mean just just a great character and in the 70s i don't know that there really were that many great female characters i'm sure mm -hmm. you know charlie's angels was coming on so maybe it was starting um but aaron gray was was absolutely you know they always say that burt reynolds was a woman that it was a guy that women wanted to dance with and men wanted to have a beer with i think aaron gray is you know on the opposite you know mm -hmm. women can definitely appreciate what was great about aaron gray and, and you know men can and Etc. I did meet her at a convention, and I can say that in 2014, the crush was still there. Uh, <laughs> she was lovely, gracious, and kind, and gorgeous. So it, it did not go away. So for mine, started a little bit earlier um, than Buck Rogers, even though that's where my crush came. Spider-Man on the Electric Company. Oh. My, my buddy Spider-Man, which this is... <laughs> I think this was, I don't know if this was a Father's Day or just because, but my wife got me these uh, Spider-Man glasses, or not glasses, but uh, whatever they are. So I got Spider-Man, I got Peter, Miles, and I do not have um, Spider-Gwen anymore because my daughter has absconded with it, and I think that's okay. Um, but um, yeah, Spider-Man and Electric Company, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is what I want to do, and I think that that leads into The Incredible Hulk with david banner mm -hmm. um not bruce banner and uh wonder woman so th that was kind of my my way into comics slash fantasy etc so the next question is and i think you've already answered it this is your green lantern the first yeah. proper comic book you can remember picking up so like i said you got ahead of me so yeah. i'm going to answer for me i think it was an archie double digest at Publix where i begged my mom for a comic and I loved it. So that was the stuff that I was able to get. Um, but when it comes to being a lifelong fan, you mentioned Chris Claremont, yep. X-Men 194, 
Nimrod. Oh, I remember um, that cover by John Romita Jr., man. Yeah. <laughs> so my whole life that I've thought it was the first uh, appearance of Nimrod, and I read today it wasn't. 191 was. So now I've got to read 191 because I <laughs> – but that, you know – Rogue takes Nightcrawler and Colossus's power to defeat uh, Nimrod, who is attacking Kane Marco, the juggernaut, who actually wasn't doing anything wrong for once. <laughs> and I was just like, Chris Claremont, I am yours. Just let me bleed for you. So, yeah, that was the one that made me a lifelong uh, X-Men and comic book lover. You see, I came into X-Men kind of backwards because um, I started out as really an Avengers fan. You know, okay. I, was, I was getting Avengers, you know, around the 200 area or so, you know, so kind of the, almost the late Perez stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then Roger Stern came on and he wrote, you know, Avengers for like six years, which were just like super formative years for me, mm -hmm. got, but he was there, you know, month in and month out, month out was, you know, John Buscema and Tom Palmer, you know, doing the art and his, yeah, so... And then Marvel, of course, with all the crossovers, you know, oh, hey, here's this X-Men. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll start reading. Wow, this is good, too. Oh, hey, you know, you got to read this now and this and this. <laughs> well, probably at that time would be the, um, you know, what was it, Avengers Annual 11 that was Rogue's first appearance. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Had Captain Marvel, had the X-Men, had, you know, the bro Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, like, incredible stuff and i noticed because i was reading it to my daughter when she was a kid there's an eight-year-old girl that says i'm madeline Pryor," <laughs> and i was like what? whoa like, so i i checked that out and I, I go to chris claremont at a convention which I, whenever i met chris claremont he'd been grumpy i'm not gonna say he's a bad guy i'm gonna say he'd been grumpy and uh so that's okay he's earned it I asked him, I said, was that always the plan? Or I can't remember exactly what I asked him. He goes, well, I guess you could read and find out. I'm like, there's been a million issues, man. <laughs> Literally a million issues. <laughs> I mean, great. Yes, I, maybe I'll try to catch up. But, you know, like, I just asked your question, you know, like, come on, man. But, hey, that's all right. It was, it was probably lunchtime. Um, so the next question. Mm -hmm. When did writing or creating a fictional story first bring you joy? Oh, man. I think I, I maybe started like in high school with just some little short stories or something that are, I'm sure, absolutely horrible. Yeah. Um, but really, and then for the longest time, I wasn't necessarily, because, you know, comics are weird. Right. You know, you, you for the longest time, I was like, well, I can't write a comic because I don't have an artist. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was just like I read a lot and, and read and read and read. But I guess it was. I finally decided to take the plunge. And I wrote the first issue of Diary of Night thinking I'm going to find an artist and we're going to pitch this and we're going to we're going to do the thing. Yeah. So that would vertigo. They they need their new Sandman. Yeah, yeah. So I was, yeah, that's going to happen, right? And it's yeah. going to be seventy five issues now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that would have been about, oh, man, two thousand eight, probably. I guess it's been that long ago. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I think it was that was pro, 2007, 2008 maybe is when I finished that that script. My and that was that was my first comic script that I wrote, which is weird because I did that, found an artist, we did one, two, three, four, a company published it for us. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Why did they, why did they publish this? Right. right. Oh, it must've been the artist. Okay, cool. It's the artist. Gene's a good, good guy. Great artist. So. Can I ask a question? Is mm -hmm. that company still in existence? Oh no. Okay, yeah. Studios. <laughs> yeah. The first, the first uh, company that took a chance on me doesn't exist either. So uh we, we, we killers we, right <laughs> i don't know what exactly that means but um it is interesting um garth wrote um garth mathams wrote the best thing to ever happen to me was losing all my high school writing due to a computer crash thus preventing me from ever being reminded how bad it probably was curse my backups <laughs> yeah you know what i bet you i bet you though in 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 most of it probably isn't great, but I bet you there's some things in it that you would go, oh, okay. I, okay, I see. I, mm -hmm. I see what I was going for. I would go, I would do it differently, but yeah, yeah. Well, what I thought was good two years ago, I look at it and go, why did I do that? Yeah. So, you know what, that, that just means you've become a better writer and you've worked at your craft if you don't like what you did before. So that's a, that's a good thing. So my story is in fourth grade, I had a teacher, Mrs. Hopwood, who was pretty tough. Like she was like my first like disciplinarian teacher. And my first couple months, I, I didn't know how to, you know, succeed with her. And I, I learned because she was a good teacher and she kind of made me be a, a better student in order to succeed in her class. And one of the things she did on, I don't know if it was every Friday or one Friday a month, she would do a writing prompt. So she would give you like, the first sentence and you had to come up with a short story and like um, it rained all day and you had to come up with a story from that. Or I heard something under my bed and you had to come up with a story. And the first probably half of the year, I didn't finish a single story because I didn't know how to start one. I couldn't okay. start the story. I didn't know how to start a story. And my friend Ian was always getting a story read because the best five stories got read. Mm -hmm. He was always getting a story read. And I asked him how, and he goes, well, I don't, I don't know how I just do it. I said, can I read yours? And he goes, yeah. And so whatever this one, it, it was, I can't remember his last name. I stole all, I stole everything from him, but I don't remember his last name, but Ian, <laughs> if you're watching this, I do admit I stole this from you and I don't apologize because I wouldn't be on this podcast if I didn't do so. So thank you, but I'm not ashamed. He started his story saying, I am Ian and his last name and I am the world's greatest spy. And then he told a story. The uh -huh. next time we had a writing prompt was it rained all afternoon. And I wrote, my name is Kevin Joseph and I am the world's greatest swimmer. And I wrote a whole short story from there because I started. And once I started my story, I could follow the beats of it. And yes, Garth, it was a fourth grade story. It was probably atrocious, but you know what? <laughs> she read it to the class. And the rest <laughs> of the year, I used the cheat Ian taught me to start my story and my stories get read every single time that I remember because I found out that if I could start a story, I could finish it. But if I couldn't start it, 
I was screwed. So, yeah, you know, when I was teaching um, at the community college, you know, I would, uh, it was freshman comp, right? It's mm -hmm. everybody has to take it. So we would talk about the blank page and how, you know, put anything down because once you have something down, it's not this insurmountable thing in front of you. You know, it's not, right. once you have something that you can, you can edit it, you can work with it, but the mm -hmm. blank page scares the hell out of a lot of people. It really yeah. does. No, that's, that's really good advice. And, you know, fourth grade me didn't, didn't do it that way, but where it's like, I'm still an ends. I'm good. <laughs> well, you got it, man. <laughs> so you sort of, and you sort of talked on this, but I don't think you got to the, um, the heart of this question. What made you think of writing a comic over any other form? So when you did Diary of Night, you did it without an artist, but why were you like, this has to be a comic? You know, I, I think, I'm, well, I know I'm weird, but comics, Comics have just been so central to my life, I guess. You know, I've read comics forever. Mm -hmm. um, it was something I shared with the boys when they were young, you know, they, which was great, you know, because I, yeah. I had playmates, you know, yeah. <laughs> Stace had to keep us all in line. But um, I've, comics are just, they're, there's something about them. And I think a lot of, you know, one of the things that, that helped me kind of move toward comic, you know, understanding comics by Scott McCloud, mm -hmm. reading, you know, I, Eisner's comics and sequential art, um, because there's so much power and you can tell a story so efficiently mm -hmm. with comics that you can't do with film. You can't do with prose. It's, it's, I feel like I'm just wired, wired for comics. And I don't mm -hmm. know if that makes me, you know, crazy or sane or yet both. I don't know. Do <laughs> but... what you want to do. <laughs> go where you want to want to go. Yeah, that's right. My, mine is so much less poetic, so <laughs> boring and you, you know, utilitarian. <laughs> me and my buddies, uh, one of which uh, I co-write uh, Under Wars with and he draws. We wrote two screenplays. We spent a year and a half to two years writing two screenplays. I'm sure that some of it is good because it's been 10 years now and some of it is awful. <laughs> but we wrote the screenplays and literally had no way to get anyone to even look at them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this sucks. And I do not have the discipline to write a novel. I have tried. I have never gotten more than 20 pages in because that is hard. It is. I, but honestly, NaNoWriMo. No, is, no, never. I'll never do that. It's, it's exhausting, but mm -hmm. it's actually, I've done it like two or three times. I never finish a novel, mm -hmm. but I get a whole shitload of words done that I can then go back and edit. So. Do you finish it after November's over? Oh yeah, I'll come back to it. Uh, in fact, I've I I got like twenty five or thirty thousand words in one year, and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. well, I'm gonna next November, I'll see if I can finish okay. it off. You know, okay, I mean, that's I, cool. I, it's not it's not the rules, but I just use November as sure. Hey, I'm gonna focus on this for a month, and and then you know survive 
and then mm -hmm. December I can recover maybe. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not saying that, that, that is, uh, tell, tell the audience what NaNoWriMo, it's November. Oh, National Novel Writing Month. National Novel Writing Month. And, and the goal is to write a certain amount of words a day for the entire. 40, yeah, 40 or 50,000 words for the whole month, which is mm -hmm. the, the formal definition of what makes a novel. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the plan. I've never and, actually and, hit that goal, but. And you don't have to have a finished novel. It's just the first draft. Yeah, yeah. And if it's for you, it's for you. It's not for me. That is, I feel like if I did that, it would burn me out of writing where I wouldn't want to write anything for a long time. So that's why I don't do it. Well, and it does. It, it, uh, you know, the times that I've done it, you know, the following month or two, I'm like, okay, that's good. Yeah, and yeah. I actually haven't done it since I've been consistent with my page count for comics. So I haven't right. done it since then. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to do. I don't think it works with my kind of yeah. process now, but it, yeah. it was fun. And I mean, I've got a, no, a, a novel ish out of it. So okay. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see if it's one of these days, maybe this is, Hey, bad. you should try know. it. <laughs> okay. So why'd you join comics launch? We still haven't met by the way, if you guys are, are yeah. listening, Will and I still haven't met on our journeys. We're still kind of doing our own thing. Uh -huh. He's obviously doing Diary, Diary, Diary of Night, and mm -hmm. I am doing Tar... Sorry, my Invisalign t attacked me there. Diary <laughs> of Night is apparently hard to say with Invisalign. In. <laughs> still getting used to these babies. Well, um, I came to Comics Launch because a uh, failure, actually. <laughs> so I had done Diary of Night, and, you know, killed the company that published it. <laughs> and I wanted, so I, I'd, I'd been up at a, I'd been up at the Kansas City, I think Planet Comic Con, and I'd met, um, oh, I can't remember his name. He does, anyway, it was one of the artists up there, because he had just had a successful Kickstarter. And I was really interested in that idea, you know. So I was talking to him about it, and I said, yeah, well, we've got all the, you know, it's done. All the arts there mm -hmm. because you should kickstart it like okay cool how hard can that be right so <laughs> i said it you know i went out and i looked at people's um you know kickstarter pages and mm -hmm. tried my best and kicked off the campaign for like seven or eight thousand dollars because i was clueless first campaign ever and mm -hmm. I think I ended up with like, well, I could go look, but maybe like 50, 60 backers. And you know, which gone. isn't, yeah, but 50 backers for a first campaign without mm -hmm. really doing it in 20, what, 13? 2014 ish? Um, I think it was 26, 2015 or 20, 2016. So that was a point where Kickstarter did not have the audience that it has now sitting there waiting for a project. You yeah. really, what, what people didn't realize and I didn't realize you didn't realize you have to bring your audience yeah. to exactly. Kickstarter. And that is still true, but there is a much bigger audience sitting there waiting to find a new project than there was in 2016. Mm -hmm. So 50 or 60 backers, you know, Tyler James has said a lot of campaigns get zero backers. 
Zero. Exactly. And so I, you know, it was, of course, a, uh, a real kick in the mm -hmm. e ego. Yeah, both <laughs> egos. Kick in the ego. And the, and the ego sucked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, look, I realized at that point what I, I, I don't even know what I don't mm -hmm. know about right. crowdfunding or Kickstarter. What can I find out there to help me? And I found the Comics Launch podcast, and then that mm -hmm. led me to Comics Launch Pro. And I'm like, he, he knows things. Right, right. <laughs> and he can teach me those things. And if he can teach me even like a tenth of what he knows, mm -hmm. I, can, I can use Kickstarter to make comics. And right. And it worked out, I mean, because, uh, you know, I went through the course, the Comics Launch Pro course, you know, build an audience, you know, build your mailing list and all these great mm -hmm. things. And were you in that first generation of no, Comics I, Launch Pro? Yeah, okay. I think I came like maybe a year after that, you know, after yeah, Madeline. I and I wasn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, okay. And then... Uh, he started, it was about that time that he started the mastermind. Mm -hmm. So I was in the inaugural mastermind group. And I think you were too, aren't you? I was, I was in, I was in the inaugural, but, but that's when we meet. So we're going to back okay, up. We'll back we up a little that. bit from there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Fail, failure led me to comic launch. <laughs> um, I did my first Kickstarter for Tart volume one, which is the trade paperback of issues one, two, and three. After, you know, the company that first published Tart went out of business, <laughs> I will confidently say that we were not the problem. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing and uh, made every mistake in the book. But I, 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 I try not to make the same mistake twice. I like to say I like to make new and more interesting mistakes. Exactly. Um, and this group that we were with was like, no. The mistake we made last week, we need to make it again oh. and again and again. <laughs> and it was like, come on, man. I don't mind a mistake, but the same mistake five times is I'm not I'm not cool with. So we we had, had had this group that, you know, I'd gone to Megacon and I'd seen their big um, booth. And I thought, well, if you have a booth at Megacon, you're for real. Uh, if you're um, if you're listening to this. You know what you need to do to get a booth at a comic convention is to pay for that booth. That's it. <laughs> so don't trust that somebody knows what they're doing because they have a booth at a comic convention. I'm not saying that they don't know what they're doing, but I am saying that's not evidence. Um, well, I mean, I've had a booth at a convention, so yeah. there you go. <laughs> and I've had many people like kind of pitch me and I'm like, my, 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 um, Everything I've said to people when they said, hey, are you taking on any books? I'm like, look, I published the books before I was with Scout that I write because my artists know that if I screw up and lose all of our money, it was a mistake because I'm involved. If I take Will and his artists and take Diary of Night and make a colossal mistake and you make no money, you know, now we have a relationship. You yeah. know that Kevin didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> but if you barely knew me and I published your book, like 
Kevin doesn't give a shit about Diary Night. He only cares about <laughs> his book. He tanked me to help me. So I'm like, this That's isn't a selfish thing that I don't publish other people. It's, <laughs> it's unselfish because I don't know what I'm doing yet and I'm learning and I still haven't learned enough that I would ever take anybody else on. I'd be like, you need to talk to SourcePoint Press. You need to talk to Scout Comics. You need to talk to um, Mad Cave because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, man. Um, so so we, we were, we were publisher-less and I had sent a thing to New York Comic-Con asking if they had anything in small press. When, when I was still with the other publisher. So we fired the publisher. We went through that whole, you know, the shenanigans of leaving a publisher. And uh, I got an email from New York Comic Con. Yeah, we have a booth. I was like, if I say no, have I made myself look stupid for New York Comic Con, the second biggest comic mm -hmm. convention in America? One of the top four guaranteed, but I'd say the second biggest. So I talked to my wife. I'm like, should we just do this? And she's like, try it. What's the worst that could happen? I'm like, we could lose a lot of money. And she's like, well, because this was when I was dealing cards, I was doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. She was like, well, you want to make this happen, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, if you lose a little money, you lose a little money. I'm like, okay, okay. So, you know, Will and I are here because our, we have very supportive spouses who do who do call us on our bullshit. But they're very, but they're very they're supportive. supportive. <laughs> and that's all you can ask. Actually, that's that's exactly what you want. You want somebody who will support you and call you on your bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like, well, we need books. <laughs> so my buddy Juan at Creature Entertainment said to me, and I've said it on the show before, the worst thing that can happen in a Kickstarter is one month of free advertisement. That's really it's the worst high. thing. Now, it doesn't feel like that if you don't fund or you don't do as well as you want. It yeah. feels like you haven't succeeded. But in truth and in reality, the worst thing that can happen in a Kickstarter is one month of free advertisement. So I said, all right, let's do it. So we we put Tart Volume 1 up. To make it to New York, I had to spend the money before the campaign even launched. So that campaign was hopefully to make some money to help us pay for this. We did okay. We did quite well for a first campaign because of Ludovic's art um, and... You know, we went to New York. It was a success. Yay, yay, yay. So issue four came out. We did a Kickstarter. We did well. And I believe before issue five, I had a, a comic book, um, The Poodles of Potter's Peak. It was a kid's book. Uh, I still stand by it. I think it is adorable. Jesse Sharon is the artist on it. The work she did is extraordinary. I think it is one of the best comics you can give a kid who is two to six years old. I'll stand by it. This book should have made $20,000 at Kickstarter. It is great. We launched, we got to our $2,500 funding goal. And 30 days later, we had raised $2,700. I succeeded. Mm -hmm. And from day two to day 30, almost nothing happened. And I couldn't I couldn't get anything to work. And about a month later, Tyler James sent me a, an email or a Facebook message. Hey, I'm 
bringing some people in for this list launch. I want to do some, teach people how to do mailing lists. Would you like to join? And I was like, yes, because there's something I don't know. And I am missing because you shouldn't, you shouldn't have a book that you think is worthy of $10,000 make 2,700 if mm -hmm. you're doing the marketing right. And so that's how I joined comics launch pro. Mm -hmm. I got everything out of list launch that I wanted. I then joined the, the pro. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when Mastermind came around, Mastermind came around, I joined that. And that's where I met some guy named uh, Will Allred. Well, I think I actually, in, I think that's where we met, but I think I encountered you. You did a, a San Diego Tart 1, didn't you? Kickstarter? Yes, that was after List Launch, but okay. maybe before Mastermind. Because I remember back in that. Okay. I think that was the first time I bet. Was that after number three? Or sorry, after the trade, but before four? Definitely, definitely after the trade. Definitely. We did trade issues one, two, and three. We uh -huh. did issue four. We did issue five. Okay. The fourth Tart Kickstarter, which was definitely after Poodles, so I'll put my thumb up there, okay. <laughs> was, um, was the San Diego number one. Cool. Where we just, because just to catch anybody up who doesn't know, that first company that went out of business printed tart as a three issue trade paperback collection not because it was good for our comic book but because he wanted to show other people that he could print a trade paperback because he knew about comics wellspring before anybody else and he pretended to be a comics wellspring representative yes <laughs> He would charge people to print their comic. Then he would send the P the PDF to Comics Wellspring and have it sent to him. And then he would deliver it with an upcharge. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is sort of brilliant and insane. Just <laughs> effing insane. Um, but Comics Wellspring had started doing a trade paperback. And Ludo and I had finished three issues. So he decided he wanted to show people the trade paperback. So that is why Tart did not come out issue one, two, or three. Then when we did kickstart it, I asked Ludo, I was like, should we do issue one? He's like, I think that collected things are more elegant and that's what I want. So we did the trade paperback with her sipping the milkshake that you probably yeah. know. Mm -hmm. There are about 200 uh, uh, Tart uh, collectors out there, collections out there with, a very attractive tart laying down with sort of her top of them. Ludo drew a little sexier at the beginning. So um, I'll have to put that on the list, the back issue hunt list. <laughs> so, and this is uh, explain yourself exclusive. There are two versions. The first version was misprinted. So what you want to find is in issue one, when tart fights the demon and a double page spread, what you don't want, is to see it the way we wrote it. You <laughs> want to see it with one page on this side and then turn the page to the other because the even though we emailed three times saying it was wrong, he didn't answer because he'd already sent it to print. <laughs> so the first 40 copies are misprinted. <laughs> so if you get a Tart Trade paperback with the misprint, it's one of the first 40. Gosh. I don't even have one of those. <laughs> 
Oh my God. I could do, I could do three hours on it. I'm sorry. We're, we're, it's, it's, it's too long. But like I said, like I learned that lesson. Now I really look at the pages when, when we get them from the printer, I don't just assume it's right. Um, mm -hmm. But he was just like, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Garth Gar says it's something to watch for. Absolutely, <laughs> man. There were only 40 of these. Um, we had, he was going to sell them at the first convention I did down in Miami Supercon. Um, and I think I got like 32 pre-orders, which I was disappointed in at the time, but now I'm like, that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> so we got 32 pre-orders and he printed 40 trade paperbacks and brought all 40 to Supercon. So I had sold 20 of them for the week when I found out that he wasn't, he had he didn't have the ones to supply the people had bought it. <laughs> you drive me to drinking. Adventures in comic comic books. By <laughs> comic the way, books. I haven't told a lot of these stories ever. Uh, it feels good to get them off my chest. <laughs> what does it Mick call it? Mick calls it comic bookery. Is that what he calls it? Maybe. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, Gar says that happened to death. The high cost of living. Did too. not know that. Oh, was there was a misprint on the first one? Please put in the chat um, that because I'm. I know. I know the story, Death of the High Cost of Living, but I don't know the story behind the misprint. That's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite Sandman misprint, though, is there's a Hungarian edition of Calliope, uh, the mm -hmm. story of the muse that is mm -hmm. kept in the attic. Um, and uh, in the last page, to show that the Sandman is going farther away, he gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So apparently some guy who worked in the Hungarian printer's thought that must be a mistake so he drew a really bad sandman in the last <laughs> so there's like 400 copies of this hungarian sandman where morpheus just looks like will or i drew it <laughs> it's effing hilarious um so uh gar says in issue three they had a misprint and dc replaced it at no cost oh, for cool. all orders that's cool, but you wanna you wanna have the misprint if you're gonna have it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, so that gets us. So yeah, the poodles of Potter's Peak. I I I just felt like it wasn't good enough. So I I went into uh, Comics Launch Pro, and then I went into Mastermind, and that's when I met you, Clay, um, Ryan, John, mm -hmm. like you know the people, the people who who have buoyed me in the last eight probably eight years now five to eight years yeah and that's where i met brant who you know letters uh, and then <laughs> through him cat and phil uh, right and you know kind of our and then ultimately charlie you yeah. know we'll get we can we'll get to that you know eventually uh, nah but... <laughs> we talked enough about that guy and his campaign's close it's fun. yeah that's true <laughs> hey we didn't meet him in comics arc pro that's not, that didn't get us to this podcast yeah. well maybe maybe it did i mean yeah, yeah charlie's pretty great <laughs> Um, so Garth says that um, something where the double page spread wasn't displayed as a double page spread. That makes sense. It's sort of an easy mistake to make. It's also a really easy mistake to catch if somebody is paying attention. Yeah. You know, so you just got to pay attention. But, you know, mistakes are made. Nobody's perfect. I misspelled my editor's name on one on one thing. And uh Carl Moline, the the biggest name on Tart uh, season one at Scout, wasn't 
put in any of the credits, even though he's the only one anybody has ever heard of. So yeah, we, we made some, we made some, but I'm not making the same mistake. Cassandra's right. name is spelled right every time now. And Carl is on every time now. I'll nice. do something new, dumber, but <laughs> new. Um, okay. So let me, did I have any more questions? Okay. So in basically those weird, you know, our, our two life stories got us to comics launch mastermind where we met, mm -hmm. um, came friends. This pandemic happened. I was struggling. Um, uh, and, Me too. Uh, somebody, <laughs> somebody in, in the group, it wasn't my idea. I can't remember who, who said it, but said, let's, just do a little zoom meeting of like five or six of us and just talk it out. It was, and, and it wasn't really, um, Hey, let's talk comics as much as, Hey, let's just know that we're all struggling. We're all trying our best. And it was, it's, I really recommend that anybody, if you're trying this, get five to 10 and that's it because you're not, you're not trying to build, a huge army you're just trying to build a core group of people that you can trust to tell you the truth tell you that your idea sucks tell you your idea is good um and also tell you yeah you failed mm -hmm. you're still great you're still a good person you're still working hard okay i see the merit in it you just have to do this that or the other thing and um or you have sort failed of, if you learn something from it yeah you know? it's sort of the mastermind um concept so you know, find a couple five to 10 buddies who are kind of doing the same thing you're doing and put them together. And so about what, six months of that, we, we met once a month and just kind of just, just shot off. the yeah. shit. Just, mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes we didn't talk anything other than what we were talking about. Sometimes we talked about hey, comics. I can't write, I can't do this or Sometimes or whatever. Was, what's the latest COVID stupidity? You know, yeah. <laughs> 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 Which we, we, could, we could go on, on and on because that's, that's still here. Yeah, um, we live in the South. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I live in Florida with a guy who keeps talking about freedom, freedom to die. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, but um, then I had a Tart Kickstarter right at the time you were finishing a crossover division Kickstarter. Yeah. I think it was crossover division number one. Yeah. And I was like, I want to do um uh, a broadcast on Friday night and it was the last week you were live. I think you had like till the next Wednesday or something and you were one of the group and you, and you were like, I'll, I'm coming back next Friday. I was like, okay. <laughs> so you were there and we had another group of Kickstarter people. And then I had like one more week in the, in Tart, maybe two. And you're like, I'm gonna come back next week. I'm like, all right, great. Yeah. And <laughs> my campaign closed and I just kind of messaged you. I'm like, Hey man, I had fun. You have fun. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was like, doing this? we did this because of our campaigns, but you did this even though yours was closed. So I, I have to give you a lot of credit. If you hadn't come back on, I don't know if I would have been like, I should do this. I should, you know, keep doing this, even though I don't have a campaign. You kind of like open my eyes like, oh, it doesn't have to be that selfish. <laughs> it's going to be a little selfish. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be that selfish. It doesn't have to be that selfish. Well, and, you know, uh, it, it kind of grew out of two. Um, you, you and I both remember Kickstarter Live. Right. Right. You know, so you could be on live video that was published on your campaign so people right. could watch you and you could 
So I remember I had one of those and it was just me and I was horrible at it. <laughs> it was like, okay. That has to be a struggle. Yeah. Uh, so then I went like, you know what? I'm going to, because then I, I, I got on with, uh, I was on with Madeline and somebody else. I can't remember on but the she's Kickstarter good live. Because, because she's so strong and, oh, yeah. and knows what she's doing and has exactly. a, you know, a great demeanor. So that's a great person to do it with. But then um, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be devious. I'm going to, you know, anytime Rob needs anybody or Ryan needs anybody, I'm going to be there. And then I, mm -hmm. then I can ask them when I'm going to be on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And, you know, and that's kind of what our group does is, you know, like, hey, if, you know, we need somebody to do something, we're, you know, yeah. we're, we're all there for each other. So it, it, it kind of, it's, it's really, because for the longest time, you know, before comics launch, you know, it's, I'm out here all on my own. I don't know anybody. I, yeah. I've not done anything. I've, you know, I, and, you know, Tyler talks a lot about finding your tribe and mm -hmm. that's really kind of what comics launch led me into is, you know, part of being a part of, you know, the comics launch community, then the indie comics community, and then, you know, our little group. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's been awesome. You know, no, no longer out there on, on, on our own. And the best advice I saw was also from a comic stride person, Ryan K. Lindsay. I, I saw him say, look for your people. He didn't say tribe. He said, look for your people on your rung of the ladder. Yep. One rung up and one rung down. Mm -hmm. He said, don't look four rungs up. And it was a really extraordinary thing to hear. And I've really taken it to heart. And, you know, like we, we try to make sure that if not on the show, we, we, if someone comes to us and says, this is my first campaign, we don't turn them down because mm -hmm. who knows what somebody might be doing and, and might be doing some cool stuff, but, but yeah, reach, if you're new to this, really look for somebody else on that, the first one or two rungs of the ladder that's growing because those are the people that will be with you for your entire um, journey in this mm -hmm. comics. And I'm not saying don't reach out to us because please do. Yeah. We, we want to hear from you, but, but just know that, you know, I got really excited in that first campaign and I sent uh, tweets to Kelly Sue DeConnick and uh, Gail Simone. <laughs> and I really appreciate that neither one of them uh, called me out for, <laughs> just being pushy you know like i don't know i got excited it was going well it could go better if they liked it you yeah. know neither neither one answered me and guess what why because i was on the third rung of the ladder and they were already in the clouds yeah they weren't on the ladder anymore <laughs> so i don't i don't have any any problem that they didn't either retweet or answer I am appreciative that they didn't call me out for what I had done. <laughs> so yeah, that is our, the different things that came to create, explain yourself in the way that I think how to make a planet will uh, kind of go back about 13 billion years until they can bake a pie. So it's been an hour, but I really think that podcast will be cool. And so if you have time to check out Jackson, Phoebe, make a planet on Kickstarter, I recommend it. So section one, 
Done. Done. Well, well section two. This is section yeah. two because we did the things. <laughs> All right. Now, everybody. What now were we, we going to talk? We were going to talk about something else. What was that? I can't remember. It had something to do with comics. <laughs> so, spoiler alert Sandman. Now, I'm going to try to talk about it without like huge spoilers. But if you haven't seen it, you don't have Netflix, and you haven't read the first two trade paperbacks of Sandman, I, I you know, like, we'll, we'll, we'll try to be careful. Um, I think it was incredible. I, I would agree. And I know we were chatting about this offline earlier, earlier in the week. I don't think you had... I think I had seen a few of the episodes and you hadn't finished the first one at the time, but yeah, what, what has always struck me about Sandman, the comic, and I, I came into it monthly, like right around season of mists so around 2021, okay. I think is when I started getting it monthly. Um, but those first seven issues are always weird. Yes. They're not, I mean, I understand what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And I understand what the, 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 per, the, you know, it wasn't by accident. It was, it was meant to be what it was meant to be. But right. Sandman didn't really become the Sandman that we all know and love until really number eight. That's when it feels right. like Sandman, right? Right. So Neil Gaiman, in my mind, I've always thought, started out to write a DC Universe horror comic. Mm -hmm. And at some point started to just create a brand new mythology yep i love the brand new mythology mm -hmm. i there's enough clever stuff in the horror that mm -hmm. i kept reading i liked yeah. it i didn't dislike it i liked it but the mythology and the fan it stops being horror it starts being fantasy and it starts being mythology uh is the the magic to me mm -hmm. I feel like Neil re-looked at everything he had done in those first issues mm -hmm. and didn't change anything yet created something that is more true to the final product exactly. than his comics actually were. This feels like Sandman from beginning to end. Yes like the sandman that we know and it and was, it is so true to the comics it is so it is the most true to a comic adaptation i have ever seen it, it well maybe sin city mm -hmm. maybe equal to sin city sin city feels very true to sin to the, city yeah mm -hmm. But other than that, I wouldn't put anything else that I've seen that is so true to. And Neil is an executive producer. He's really put it in. Um, so after watching season one, I know my answer. Mm -hmm. If someone has never seen or read Sandman, would you say read the comic first, watch the show first? What would you think? You know, that is a really good question because I'm always... I'm always with read it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm always yeah. with, with read it. But there is a, a cohesion mm -hmm. to the show that you don't quite get, I think, 
in the issues of the comic, you know, because they're doing some condensing and they're really making mm -hmm. sure that the, the through line themes are all there. And they brought a couple things forward mm -hmm. from later issues into this. Basically, season one of Sandman is the first two trade paperbacks. Mm -hmm. It's basically Preludes and Nocturnes and The Doll's House. So if you're new to this and you loved this and you want to read it, what you've read basically is Preludes and Nocturnes and The Doll's House. Mm -hmm. But there are a few things I think that were pulled forward and into it. Um, so Garth, Garth says, <laughs> it is so good. Corinthian was my highlight, but everyone was amazing. If the Corinthian doesn't get an Emmy nomination, <laughs> I'm rioting. But... Okay, so here I'm. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a liberal hippie. Look at the hair. Um, a lot of people were mad about some of the gender bending in the casting. If you are coming to this with an open heart, and we're worried about the casting. Tell me one actor who wasn't perfect. I think, uh, I think it was so well done. It was just so well done. And the I thing will, yeah, I'll say, I'll say that Lucienne was written slightly different than I read Lucien in the comic. Mm -hmm. Lucian, the comics, the male. Lucien is a female presenting actor. Mm -hmm. And I would say that Lucian was less serious than Lucian mm -hmm. in my mind as I remember. And I could be wrong. But what they asked the actor to do in the show, she was perfect. Mm -hmm. Death, perfect. Desire, yeah. perfect. <laughs> The Corinthian has much more to do in this than he did in the comic. Mm -hmm. That man who was evil and wore goggles and Logan is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, name me, name me an actor who wasn't perfectly cast now that you've seen it. No. I mean, I loved Fiddler's Green. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that was just... And and no part of me would have ever read an Englishman as that because he looks like Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But Stephen Fry was wonderful. Uh-huh. I mean, I I would say if you have never read Sandman, and this goes crazy, I agree with you. I would watch the first season. If you like it or love it, you have two choices. You can go back and read it from play, Preludes and Nocturnes and the Dollhouse. Or you could just start with the third trade paperback, which is... Um, is is it, it Season of Mist? Or, no, it's... Um, I feel like Seasons of Mist is four, four. Right? It's dream, dream Country. It has four, four stories in it. It has um, Facade, Calliope, oh, yeah. Dream of a Thousand Cats, and yeah. A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay, I mean, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> All right, now that you said that, <laughs> watch the first season read dream country do whatever the hell you want because if you don't love it after you've read dream of a thousand cats hey i, I don't know what to tell you uh a midsummer night's dream one, one world 
the World yeah. Fantasy Fair, and then they changed the freaking rules so it, comics couldn't win that anymore. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's the I mean, world's it, best fantasy story is not my favorite story in that collection. I know it's not really it mine either. Might be my third. Calliope, Calliope is hard to read, but it's it so good. Blew my mind. But Dream of a Thousand Cats might be my favorite comic book I've ever read in my entire life. See, I really liked Facade, which is which brings me to something I think that's kind of cool. Um, in that all of the the DC Comics superhero universe stuff have been pretty much excised. And we got a Joanna Constantine, so you know, or Constantine. Constantine. Yeah. Which I uh, guess is actually the way it's pronounced. Yeah. Oops. We have we're Americans, right? Um, yeah. By the way, Shawnee says, how rude. I'm going to have to admit, Shawnee, I'm not sure what we said or what was said that was rude, but you're right. So if you, in the comments, if you could tell us what you're commenting on, I'll catch up. But I really like, so when I, when they would let me teach the comics and graphic novels class at the mm -hmm. junior college, um, I didn't want to teach preludes and nocturnes because it wasn't Sandman, right? Okay. And then a doll's house is is great. Don't get me wrong, but it was, so I taught dream country, you know, four kind of one shot stories that were really good. Oh, the changing of the rules. <laughs> oh, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I really like, um, and it might be because death is in it, but the the facade story with Element Girl, you know, she's just isolated, she's lonely, she she wants to die. Yeah. And it's just such a you know with the the masks, you know, the mask motif and everything that, that's yeah. going on in it. I just, I mean, all four of those stories are just, I mean, they are, they are career-making stories for any other writer. And yet they're just four one-offs that he threw out there. Yeah. He's so fucking good. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, uh, I mean, yeah. A mid Midsummer Night's Dream one is the one that gets mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. Sam N50 with Babylon gets mentioned. Yeah. Um, uh, Dream of a Thousand Cats, of course. But I... I I even remember it's not even Sandman proper. It's this, you remember the Sandman special? It had a glow in the dark cover because this which, was the 90s. Which one was this? Uh, it was the story of Orpheus. Oh yes, yes. You know, you know the story behind that, right? No. So he wanted to bring Orpheus into the mythology. Uh huh. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do a story about Orpheus, but I can't tell his origin because everybody knows that. And he said that to 20 people mm -hmm. and 19 of them said, what are you talking about? <laughs> so he had to do a really beat by beat retelling of Orpheus's story because uh -huh. he thought everybody knew it. And maybe I had read it in my Greek <laughs> mythology class, but I didn't remember it. Uh -huh. So he had to do it like for real. So it's just basically the, the Greek story retold with Morpheus um, involved. Um, but no, he that was never what he intended to write. But he had <laughs> to write that because um, 
none of us knew Orpheus's real story. But it had a glow-in-the-dark cover, which I think is just so freaking odd. So Not even Sandman was immune to the 90s. No, and it shouldn't be. So here's my Neil Gaiman story. So when I was reading comics in, in middle school, you know, I'd get previews, and there was, um, uh, what was the the book he did with Dave McKean before they got big? Um, Violent Cases? Violent, no, um, the plant lady, but not Poison Ivy. Um, oh, uh, Black Orchid. Black Orchid. Mm -hmm. So that came out. I looked at it, and I went, I don't get this. 20 years later, I got back <laughs> into comics. I got back into comics because I read in the newspaper that Frank Miller was bringing Dark Knight back. Oh, this has been Dark Knight 2? And so Marvel, sorry. and no, well, he, <laughs> it gets better. And Marvel was finally going to tell Wolverine's origin. <laughs> so I got excited. Maybe I should get back read some comics because I, I Dark Knight 2, it's Frank Miller, of course. And Wolverine Origins, of course. Joe Casada, yeah. So I go back to, I go to a comic shop um, in, in New York City, I think it was on like 34th Street. And it was a couple months before these were coming out. And I find this book by some guy who I've never heard of. Writer, artist, Sam Keith, Wolverine versus Hulk. So I, I'm in like four issues, 12 bucks, fine. So I take this home. And if you haven't read the Sam Keith Wolverine Hulk, it is super interesting. And you should read it. It is so neat. I've read it and I loved it. So I went back to the comic shop and I don't remember what the other book I bought this time. Mm -hmm. I bought something else and I don't remember what it was. And I loved it. It was so interesting. It was so cool. Dark Knight 2 comes out. I read it. <laughs> Hell is this? You're not or alone. <laughs> Origins 1 comes out. I read it. Okay, well, that's cool. I get it. All right, well, we'll see more. Mm -hmm. I think Origins was, what, six issues? I think so, yeah. So issue one, I was in. I was like, okay. All right, you know, like Wolverine was the sickly boy. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Mm -hmm. Issues two, three, four, five, and six, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why did you waste my time? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> literally, they had somebody hand Logan a book on the samurai. <laughs> so the two comics that brought me back to comics, I'm going to say I did not like. <laughs> but if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have read Wolverine vs. Hulk. Loved it. God, I wish I could remember what the second was. And eventually, I finally figured out, because I was always afraid of Sandman, because I didn't know where to start, because I didn't realize that there were Roman numerals oh on my. the trade paperbacks. <laughs> the first one says one. Yeah. The second <laughs> one says one, one. It's 11, and then, man. <laughs> then one, one. And then there's one and a V. That means four. 
and then V five, you know, like hey, I didn't it's get classy. It. It's classy, yeah. man. <laughs> so yeah, so then eventually I read it and I fell in love. And at the same time, I had read a thing on fantasy with a, a short story that I loved about an old woman who went to the um, the resale shop and bought um, the uh, the what's the the uh, last crusade? Oh, the Holy Grail. And bought the Holy Grail. And I was in love with this book. There was a dude's name on it, Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. I had just recently bought a book for one of my writing gods. It was a biography of Doug Douglas Adams. I looked at it. Neil Gaiman. <laughs> I'm reading Sandman and loving it. I'm like, holy shit. So all of this happened within like three months where I realized I love this guy writing a short story. I love this guy writing a biography of Douglas Adams. And I love this guy writing a comic. His, uh, I'm in. I'm in. Have you read any of his novels? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Neverwhere. Love it. Uh, American Gods. Like it. Don't <laughs> love it. Like it. Don't love it. I, I think I do prefer Neverwhere, but American Gods is, you know, kind of the big, big work that a lot of critics point to. Yes. Um, the, I like uh, Anansi Boys better than I like American Gods. Um, Ocean uh, at the end of the lane. Great graveyard book. Graveyard love book. It. Love it. My two favorite game and novels are the graveyard book and the ocean at the end of the lane. And I don't actually like the ocean at the end of the lane. I finished that book and I was in a funk for a week. It <laughs> made me feel off for a week reading that book. How which about, is how good it is. How about good omens? Love it. I love it. Love it, love I, it, love it. Also, amazing if you have Amazon Prime. Exactly. <laughs> now, that one, I would say either watch it or read it, depending on what you have time for. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would say that Good Omens is a, is a better um, novel than the first seven issues of Sandman are seven comics mm -hmm. terry pratchett and neil gaiman wrote a great novel neil gaiman started what would become a great comic series mm -hmm. so that that but good but god if you want to watch laugh good omens and by the way the good doctor in sandman which i will um just say i'm watching the show and i'm watching this woman i'm like i've seen her in something two episodes of good omens <laughs> so if you, if you rewatched, I don't know what what she was in Good Omens, but uh, the Good Doctor from uh, from the serial convention is there. <laughs> oh, Shawnee says she loves Good Omens. Oh, it's both the book and and the series are incredible. And she said, I enjoyed American Gods, but I'm totally with you on the ocean at the end of the line. Yeah, it's it's special, but it's not special like you'll feel good at the end. It's just, it's, it's yeah. an experience that you should definitely go on. My favorite. Yeah. Those are my two favorite, probably, um, Stardust and Anansi Boys next, Never Were Next. I'll say it. I love Neil. He's, 
He's the greatest. He cheats in American Gods. Okay. <laughs> There's one moment where he says something, and then the next chapter he goes against it, and there's no reason why he cheats. Well, he he fooled me. You know, it's about a con, a confidence game, anyway, right? Yeah, so, so spoiler alert on American Gods. <laughs> um, he talks about the you know the very first chapter, the characters in prison, and you know the person that he's next to is really calm really low key mm -hmm. okay i'm at the end of the book and i went oh i get it now <laughs> i definitely did not catch the low key for a long time oh so yeah american gods though tv series you know i i saw the first episode and we've never got back around to it it didn't capture me like like Sandman did. So what I'll say about American Gods, which Neil Gaiman was not an executive producer on. He was working on Good Omens. Mm -hmm. I think that the actors were giving, given the most fun material of season one. I've only watched season one, so I can't mm -hmm. talk about two or three. The actors had a blast. And it was fun to watch the actors act. I think that American Gods, the TV series, because I watched it with my wife who had not read the novel, was unfair to people who hadn't read the source material. It never admitted the game. Gotcha. The whole season went by and they never admitted what the game was. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that American Gods was fair. The TV series. Mm -hmm. I think that the book did tell you what the game is and it's worth it's it's worth reading even though it's not my favorite um i would definitely start with stardust just because it's easy reading and fun it's and a great light. movie too i mean stardust awesome. is a good is a good adaptation it definitely does its own thing and that's fine but it's stardust fun. is really i mean fun. it's michelle Pfeiffer looking gorgeous so i mean <laughs> come on um you know I, I would, De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> I would the graveyard book is not a bad one to start with as long as you know that it's it's an all ages book with some dark stuff, mm -hmm. but it's not gonna get it's not an adult novel, but it's certainly worth reading. It's love. The jungle book in a graveyard. Yeah. I mean that's that's yeah. the high pitch for it right there. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's it's twelve nineteen. I could talk about salmon all friggin' night. I talk about Neil Gaiman every day. So well, let's. So I I was interested in an adaptation part of it because right. we're not getting necessarily an issue per episode, and that makes sense no. because I don't think that there's enough material per issue. To make you know a full hour episode because if you right. look at uh episode six i think which was the sound of her wings you know which is where death that, that, that was, was two issues that was right. the, her issue and then uh is it hobbs is that his name that's right which yeah. i believe was later down the road right way down the road right mm -hmm. i i believe so i'm not a hundred percent certain because i haven't read in like three years but yeah. i do think hob gadling is more like issue 25 or 26. But I, I do believe that here's the thing. If you haven't watched and you haven't uh, read, 
I don't think this is a huge spoiler because we talked about it with Phil Falco. Mm -hmm. Morpheus is an arrogant prick. He's he, a royal. He's he has <laughs> he has been here since almost the beginning of time. Since the first being had a dream, he has existed. Mm -hmm. It is intimated that there was a universe before our universe. Um, I'm reminded of that from the show, not from the comic, but I do, I do. It reminded me that yes. So it's intimated that this isn't the first universe and he has been here since that first universe for at least he thinks he knows better and he probably for the most part does but he's got some stuff to learn he's an arrogant prick mm -hmm. and i think that that is certainly part of his character but i think they softened him a little for the tv show he started out more of a jerk in the comics he's still a jerk yeah but he's a lovable likable jerk well we you know and we i think we especially saw that with hob right you know because he was very arrogant with you know you think i need you're a freaking you know mm -hmm. mortal I think whatever we, i think we saw it with hob and i think we saw it with lucian mm -hmm. yes which you know which, is the, the real through line of Sandman is his, his, sorry, spoilers here, is his changing as much as he can possibly change. And when he can't change anymore. So Neil Gaiman has said the theme <laughs> of Sandman, again, spoilers, is the king of dreams realizes he must, must change or die. And he makes his choice. Mm -hmm. and it's you know we we stripped out all that dc stuff i mean we got to see you know the sandman <laughs> you know the kirby yeah. sandman <laughs> yeah yeah but they gave it to jed as opposed to hector which exactly. i thought was an interesting choice well and they also um, stripped out it was brute and glom so they gave right galt which right. then they they this new demon you know this new nightmare sorry that was created you know, she, cha you know, change, everything changes. The Corinthian, you know, couldn't or, you know, didn't want to or change. didn't want to or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, I really feel, assuming, I assume about four seasons for this, maybe five, depending on how they, if they're going to adapt the whole thing, right? Yeah, two, two trade paperbacks for season one, so... 10 would be five if you mm -hmm. do the, that straight math. I, I really feel like dream country, dream country will be eased into seasons. It won't yeah. be its own season. Yeah. Um, and there is another one with four stories with like the, the, the Julius Caesar, or there's a Roman story. Yeah. I can't remember. I'll have to, there, there's another trade paperback that's just a couple issues that kind of are out of order, mm -hmm. which is actually my least favorite of the of the trade paperback. But I feel like if if they can keep up what they've done, oh. then Sandman, the Netflix series, will probably be better than Sandman the comic series because it will be a more cohesive whole. Mm -hmm. and it will be 
I mean, when you get right down to it, it'll be more planned because yeah. the thing that Gaiman was doing and the thing that all, you know, all these monthly comics guys, they're dancing. Figuring monthly. out. They're figuring it out. Figuring figuring out. out. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's why at the end he started missing deadlines because yeah. he had to make stuff he had written four years earlier make sense now when he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And um, it's, so I'll tell you a story. Kelly Thompson, or not Kelly Thompson. I'm so sorry. Uh, the the right the artist on um, uh, not Dream Country, the one where Delirium and Dream go off on their adventure. It, Brief uh, lives. Oh, uh, uh, she was a Wonder Woman artist. Um, Thompson is her last name, but it's not Kelly Thompson, who's a great writer. Yeah, um, um, and I make this mistake all the time. Crap! I can't. Why can I not remember her name? It, right, it's Thompson is her last name. Jill Thompson? Jill Thompson, you got it. Yeah. Okay, so That's Jill it. Thompson. I met Jill Thompson <laughs> at a con comic convention. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brief Lives is my favorite arc in Sandman. I just love it. It's fun. It builds the mythology. It has severe repercussions, but it's all, there, It's light. It's just joyful. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I I cannot wait to see what they do with it. So I talked to her about Sandman and she said at the end of Brief Lives, she had flown to Minnesota because he was behind. Neil was behind. He was having trouble writing it. So she would have like page three and he would be writing page four. And they were sitting on a couch next to each other. <laughs> and awesome. she was drawing page three while he was just fighting to, to do the next page. Can you imagine working with an artist like that? That would be so awesome, man. <laughs> I think you have to be 50 issues into the greatest comic book of all time before DC will do we'll that. But, that yeah. but that would be pretty neat. And... She said, I, I mean, I feel like this is probably a story that's out there. So uh, if it's not, yeah. she said, Neil, Neil went, oh, I know why delight turned into delirium. <laughs> and Jill said, how? And he goes, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> You'll draw it if I write it. <laughs> not, not say it. <laughs> so he he knows. Spoiler alert: there are seven endless. Uh -huh. There is destiny, dream, death, desire, despair, delirium, and destruction. destruction. Mm -hmm. The prodigal. But delirium did not start as delirium. She started as delight. There is some story, as far as we know, only Neil knows of how delight turned into delirium. Now, there have been some other things. Jill Thompson will draw it if it's yeah. ever put out. <laughs> There's been Sandman Overture, Lovely. which was a prequel of yes. sorts to it. There's been uh, The Little Endless, which I think Jill Thompson drew. Yeah. Um, she might have written that as well. Uh, then there was, uh, what's was the, the one Jack with the Fox? Um, Jack Dream Hunters. Dream, Dream Hunters. Hunters. Yeah. 
death, the high cost of living, and death. There have been two death miniseries. Yeah, why can I never remember the title of the second? I don't one? know, but they're both great. <laughs> uh, yes, drawn by um, Chris, and I'm going to butcher it, Bacalo. Bacello? Bacello, probably Bacello. I've read it, Bacello. I don't know if that's right. Um, death, the high cost of living, death. Death, you're in the ground, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> but the art on it's great and the story is great. Yeah. Do you think, actually, I, we probably need to get out of here, but do you ah. think um, there's the same? By the way, Garth says he's got to run. Hey, we appreciate you hanging <laughs> yeah, with us. Thanks, uh, it's been it's been fun, buddy. Thank you. Do you think they will throw in the death into Sandman, or do you think they'll adapt death the two the the death stuff maybe on their own? I think they'll roll it in because I don't remember uh, Mad Hetty being extraordinarily important to Sandman, but she's extraordinarily important to Death, the yep. High Cost of Living. Yeah. So it was my guess that it will be part of the Sandman series, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean that makes Maybe. sense. It will give them more content that they can. But but it might may it could be easily be a Netflix movie instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe they do seasons two and three, and they put in a movie, and then season four. Death, the time of her life. I just there you go. <laughs> yeah. No. So I mean, I think that we're saying that Sandman is great. I I. You can't mess up if you want to read the comics. Read the comics, but um, if you, it will it will be quicker to watch the show, and I do think you will get something really, really edifying and really substantial if you watch the show. I don't think you'll lose anything, and then go back and reread the comics. But I would just go right to Green Dream Country, go mm -hmm. right to Dream Country, and then it. You can choose after that if you want to keep going to, I think, Seasons of Mist next, mm -hmm. uh, A Game of You, Brief Lives, etc. Or go back and read read the first, you know, 14 issues or whatever it is and 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 find out what it was. You know, like, it, that's up to you. But I read the comic, watch the show. They're both great. The uh, With the comics, you get exposed to such a a wide spectrum of artists because he worked yes. with, you know, Sam Keith, Mike Dringenberg. Um, yeah. You had, you know, Dave McKean on covers. You had Jill Thompson. You had, um, uh, Colleen Duran did an issue. Oh, yeah. Pete Craig uh, Russell. I don't, I don't know who did the kindly ones, but, but he was extraordinarily. Mark, Mark Badger, I think. Was it Mark Badger? Okay. I, 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 I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I think it was, it was a very unique style and uh, I'm really interested to see if they go impressionist with the visuals of the kindly ones when they get to it. I'm guessing they'll stick with what we've seen, mm -hmm. but the visuals of that comic are so unique. I'm wondering if they won't go different. Well, you know, and that's something that the, the Netflix series kind of has over the comic in that it is, it has a consistent look and feel, and yes. it will keep that throughout. Whereas the comics, you know, you would get radically different art. Charles Vess, okay, you get Charles yeah. Vess for a Midsummer Night's Dream, right. and then you get Colleen Doran mm -hmm. for Facade, which both great artists, but 
radically different artists, you know, in the way they tell a story and the way their art looks just in general, you know? So uh, Colleen Duran did um, an episode in a game of you mm -hmm. uh, inside baseball. <laughs> she sent her pencils out and the inker wanted to go on a uh, cruise. So instead of spending the three weeks the inker had to do the work, inker did it in three days. <laughs> Sent it in. This is also inside baseball. It is the worst looking comic book you'll ever see. It's in the old trade paperbacks. Mm -hmm. They sent her back her pencils for the Sandman uh, Absolute Editions. Uh -huh. And she was allowed to re-ink her own work for that right. book and do it right. And she got all the money for penciling and inking. So she told me straight to my face, yeah, he screwed me, <laughs> but I made more money. So I thank him for it. And those, uh, I think I've got volume one of the Absolute Editions here. Those things are beautiful. Yeah. You know, with the big leather binding and they look like these big old kind of looks like we haven't seen Destiny yet, but it kind of looks like the big old book he carries around, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, how good is desire? They are perfect. <laughs> and perfect. despair. I mean, she was I can't wait till we see despair. We haven't met despair, right? Yeah, we saw her barely because she was cutting real, herself. Real quick. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, oh. yeah, I know. I was like, "Ooh, stop that!" Like, oh. All right, so we could gush about it all yeah. night, but you you get Go it. Watch it. <laughs> watch it. Read it. Sandman is the greatest. I would not be writing comics if Neil Gaiman had not taught me what was allowed in comics. It starts yeah. with Alan Moore. It start, you know, V for Vendetta. And getting you know, to see their scripts because I you know he has a script, yeah. he has some scripts out there that are, you know, and Alan Moore has scripts out there. Kurt Busiek. I mean, a lot of guys have mm -hmm. not just guys, a lot of writers have their scripts out there. And it was so helpful to see, like, oh, that's that's how you indicate a sound effect, or you know, or right. here's you know, here's 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 50 pages by Alan Moore. Here's, you know, one. 50, 50 page of Alan Moore for page one. For panel one. <laughs> but. I don't know. Just, That's the way I see it. You do it any way you want. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's so helpful just to be able to see those scripts. And yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. So, yeah, hey, we, we should talk we, about. We, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Exactly. And we may not even reach their ears, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk about some of the campaigns that we've had on. That's right. Before we get out of here, but also throw a shout out: David Byrne, Charlie Stickney, uh, J.D. Oliva. Uh, we had a bunch of campaigns close this week, and fabulous! Like it's been extraordinary time for Kickstarter. So really happy for all of our buddies. Um, oh, Caleb with Unicorn Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Oh, that closed. Yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. Hocus Hocus closed. Great. Everybody did awesome. It's it's going great. We have... Where are we at? Oh! 
I knew the wind was cold. It's a yep. country western horror collection, not an anthology. He was very specific to say, yep. um, because yep. anthologies are hard to put together and collections are apparently not. And these are four um, horror stories, some with a little yep. humor, uh, based on country western songs. Really cool and interesting uh, campaign. And I think that has three days left three days. as yeah, of Friday night. Mm -hmm. So. Then we've got uh, looks like Skies of Fire, the collected edition. They're doing okay. They could use a couple other backers, but um, Skies like of Fire is absolutely wonderful. Fifteen hundred, maybe. Fifteen <laughs> hundred backers. I don't know. Let me see. <laughs> Uh, no, 2,200. No, 2, they so are four sorry. backers from 2,300. So, uh, uh -huh. but but the campaign is totally worth it. Uh, oh, yeah. beautiful, Zeppelin, beautiful steampunk, books. gorgeous epic artwork. Um, really cool. Um, our one of our favorites. I got to find it in here, but Sacrimony actually has even fewer days left than Skies of Fire. Um, Mata Sorcerer is doing a reprint of issue one. She's a sellout, um, but I, <laughs> I say that with, with uh, honor. She has sold out all of her first editions of uh, Sacramony One. You can get the new edition, the reprint, the variant cover with issues two, three, and four, and I recommend it. It's just a cool, unique fantasy. It's fantasy, but it's not fantasy like you're usually dealing with. Exactly. And she's an honorary co-host because she's been on. <laughs> she's been on. She's been on a lot, and uh, we. I mean, honestly, she, having her, so. she can come on whenever the heck she wants. Some guy, some guy who was in the chat and has had to go to sleep. Uh, Witch Creek Road skinned one through three. This is a story of two sisters who survive a um, serial killer that is skinned, the skinned man. Um, and they kind of start to lose it after the fact, both in different ways. So psychological horror and uh, with Im immensely creepy artwork and Garth is just a great dude. I don't know how somebody that nice can come up with these terrible, terrible things, but um, <laughs> you know, that that's okay. We're, we, we are not what we write. So that's I don't right. think Garth is bad. <laughs> I think that's it for those on the show. I do have a couple other ones that I'm backing. Ooh, one, one quick one, because I snuck one on you. Oh. I snuck one on you. You couldn't hang out on Monday, but Home oh. Free. Home Free is a story of two, um, two women after a uh, revolution in the United States, uh, kind of a Civil War type of situation. I don't know where they came up with that. But um, yeah, they have to get from Portland to Mexico. So it is an escaped crime noir action adventure story about two ladies trying to get from um, Portland, Oregon to Mexico. They need to get out of the United States for their own safety. And we had the writer artist team on Monday for a little short, um, short midweek podcast. And it is certainly a cool campaign. Cool. So what do you have? Well, I am backing uh, hot and messy. The art of Amanda Connor. Oh, gorgeous. Which is, uh, just an awesome looking book. And Amanda Connor is an awesome artist. So yeah. uh, I don't think they need our help, but uh, you know, it's definitely worth backing. Mm -hmm. it's certainly. I mean, all the paper films books that her and Jimmy put together are yeah. 
beautiful. Yeah, no, they, they do great things. And of the um, pros that work in Kickstarter, they do it the right way. Mm -hmm. They, they make the place better for being here and absolutely. And then uh, our buddy, Frank, uh, the oh. last homicide. Oh, has he, has he launched? Yep. I think it launched uh, yesterday or the day before. Nice. Uh, the last homicide number two. So you can get one or two and that's, I, you know, honestly, uh, Frank Martin is, he's a machine. I, mm -hmm. he, he, he keeps putting out stories and it's great because he's, uh, you know, he'll come back to these two parters. He does a lot of one shots too. And, works with lots of different artists. Mm -hmm. uh, I know we had the pipe creepers, which was, yeah. we had him on when we were doing that. And uh, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, Hey, he launched. Okay. I'm backing. So <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm going to back once I've checked to see if I backed the first one. I, <laughs> so I made the mistake of doing a, a, Oh, I need to, I need to catch up on that. And then I, I get oh, it. I backed the first one anyway. So I've got a <laughs> That was $5 I didn't need to spend. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> hey, there's worse problems to have, right? Exactly. All right. Well, Will, I absolutely adored this. Uh, mm -hmm. had a lot of fun. And I hope everybody listened and joined in the chat did too. So um, good yeah. night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Thanks for hanging out.